welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. And I'm Dyson. And this is Dark Adaptation. Welcome to episode 55 of Dark Adaptation. It's episode 55. Hi, welcome to Dark Adaptation. (laughs) If you're new here, hello, welcome. I say that because, Dyson, did you know that we're still featured on Podbean? I've noticed. It is exciting. I like to talk about it. Yeah, and... Dear Podbean, if you're listening to this going, why the fuck did we feature those guys? I just threw a whole bunch of advertising at you fuckers, so you're welcome. (laughs) It's exciting. So if you're here because you saw that, then hello. You got a whole back catalog to listen to. Enjoy. Mm -hmm. Lots of good ones, too. Thank you. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, This episode will hopefully also be a good one. Oh, it will be. I'll get in. I'll get into a little bit more um in a minute, but I just wanted to start this episode with an Elmaz update. Okay. Um, just it's really quick. Uh, this is from a CP24 article. It says in a news release on Friday, York Police confirmed that a fourth suspect has now been taken into custody in connection with the frying pan attack. Harshpreet Sekhan, who is 25, was arrested on February 16th and is charged with aggravated assault and conspiracy to commit an indictable offense. The latest arrest comes from police um, after they had announced a reward of up to $100,000 last month for anyone with information about um, Alnaz's location. So, yeah, someone was like, oh... (laughs) $100,000? I think I should give in a little tip. Yeah. And, and if anyone's uh wondering what the heck, I've never heard of this before. Well, one, you can Google it, read the articles <laughs> if you want. But two, we have an episode going in-depth. We, Brianna did all the work for it, and it goes in-depth <laughs> on the entire story. And we've been keeping listeners up to date ever since. Yeah, so it was episode 11. And I... Yeah, just talked about her case. She has um, <laughs> she has an abduction. Nope. She was abducted yep. out of Wasaga Beach in Ontario, Canada. So, yeah, episode 11 will give you pretty much all of the information there is about her abduction. And this update that I just gave talks about the frying pan attack, which was an attack on her in a parking garage in Toronto a month before she was abducted. So... That episode pretty much has the whole case, and then just sporadically, we've been giving the little updates that have come out. Um, each update is also posted on our Instagram, which is Dark Adaptation Podcast. So this is another one of those updates that will be posted there. Yeah. So yeah, we're slowly creeping towards some hopefully resolution with this. Yeah, honestly. It and is, that family's been working so fucking hard to yeah. make sure that this story's out there. They've been trying to trying to get this story out through the press for a while. They've got a PR firm that they're trying to help get help like 
on how to navigate this whole landscape. Mm -hmm. They've been working with um, a lot of true crime podcasts to ask them to please cover the story. Yeah, or at least share her, at least a post related to the story. Yeah, and they've got, um, they were trying to get billboards and everything out there Mm -hmm. as well, which is really costly. So Yeah, GoFundMe. Yeah, they've been using GoFundMe. But yeah, they're, they're, I was going to say spare no expense, but what is this, Jurassic Park? They're they're really (laughs) out there trying. Yeah, they are really just her biggest advocate. And um, I forget what I was going to say. They are her biggest advocate. They are working very hard. And yes, oh, what I was saying is that we're like slowly creeping towards a resolution. Um, By that, I just mean like it's nice that people are getting arrested and charged. And hopefully all of this ends with us um, finding her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a little bit of background on that if you are one of the new listeners. And I guess I'll get into this week's episode. So, last week we had Paige on the show. We which did. It was very fun as always. Uh, super creepy, learning about death and the Grim Reaper and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know, I enjoyed myself. So, I was like, I think this week I'm going to continue with a sort of like spooky vibe. Oh, I love when you say shit like that. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, I guess I'll just start here. Um, Dyson, what is a poltergeist? Let me tell you, it is a B-roll movie from 19... It's not a B-roll movie. That's a Spielberg movie. Spielberg is a <laughs> hack with B-roll <laughs> movies. I don't actually know the year, but there's there's several of them. There's several there's of them. several of those movies. Okay, a poltergeist is a little ghoul. Mm-hmm. Could be green, could not be green, mm-hmm. but definitely a ghoul. And it usually resides within a household and is very active within the house and just causes a whole bunch of mayhem. That's my understanding of a poltergeist. That's basically what a poltergeist is, yes. Yeah. Uh, what I have written here is that it is a ghost affixed to a particular place mostly or like often buildings like houses poltergeist means noisy ghosts Mm -hmm. and they are characterized by the destruction that they leave in their wake as they are very disruptive and typically have an unwanted attachment to a particular person or place who hasn't been a bit of a poltergeist every so often you know (laughs) yeah wake up on the wrong side of the bed in kobe's case the bat the cat bed Mm -hmm. and you just Go, you know what? Today I choose violence. I was going to say that. I choose violence today. Time to be disruptive as fuck. Yep. But yeah, so yeah, you pretty much um, nailed that. Thank you. That's what a poltergeist is. I do love poltergeist. I know. Because you are one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was the thing. The first time I moved in with you, I got very sick. I actually died and it's just been poltergeist activity ever since. That explains why you don't leave the house or you're like always have an excuse. I can't leave. I'm very um, unhealthily attached to this place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i died months ago i can't believe you haven't noticed it explains the weird smell in here mm. so this week i have an old-timey tale from the 1870s mm. where in a small rural railroad whoa <laughs> small rural rural railroad community you gotta you gotta have like some sort of like bring back clippy for your word documents to say you know what you're probably not gonna be able to say this i know as i'm writing it i'm like this is so good and then i have to say it out loud god okay 
where in a small rural railroad community in South Georgia, the Surrency family began experiencing paranormal hauntings at the hands of a poltergeist. So, straight up, I, like, struggled a little bit with how I wanted to write this episode. Okay. Um, because I had found this case, and I was like, I definitely want to cover it, because there is quite a few poltergeist cases, and, you know, some of them are, like, the big ones that everyone knows or talks about, like an Enfield poltergeist and stuff and like that. And- yeah, so I was like, um, I really want to do this one, but my research wasn't really leading me into a place that I was I liked. I didn't really like some of the articles I was reading, and I was just kind of like, I don't really know if this is a reliable source or if this is very much like embellishment or what, mm-hmm. especially because it is so old. It's from the 1870s. Oh, yeah, and the longer it's covered, the longer people have different sources to pull from, and it just becomes this telephone game. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, thankfully, as I was researching and writing, it kind of came together. It's a little bit different than like my usual style, I guess I'll say. So the way I'm going to tell this tale was inspired by an article that I had read in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mm-hmm. And this article is from February 2nd, 1889. And it was written by Montgomery M. Folsom. So once I had found Mont- Montgomery's, I'm just gonna call him Monty, it's way easier. Once I had found Monty's yeah. article, I was like, oh, I felt inspired. And I was like, all right, I'm comfortable. I did go on like newspapers.com because they have a subscription there and I love it. And mm-hmm. I found some actual like newspaper articles about this. So I was like, great, there's the sources I want to use. I feel inspired. Thank you, Monty. Let's do it. So um, this article that he wrote is from 16 years after the haunting so in that article he starts the sickly light of a sunless day was rapidly palling in the west as i stepped off the train at this little lonely station in the heart of the pine barrens a wreck caused us to have to lie over and i determined to avail myself of this opportunity to visit the haunted house A long, low, weather-beaten structure, once the building where a large sawmill was located, but which has now been removed to Kingsville, flanks the south side of the railroad. On the north side is a straggling sort of street with a half a dozen one-story dwellings, a store, the little dingy station, a new pump house built of rough lumber, and last of all, solemn and desolate, the Surrency House. It is a two-story building, fronting south, The tall brick chimneys that rise at either end are ghastly white. The little square windows of the second story, with the panes broken out pretty thickly, are forcible reminders of the weird and uncanny history of that faded dwelling. The approach is along a short walk, bordered with stunted water oaks, and inside the gate which creaks warily on its rusty hinges are a number of somber cedars that stood in mute and motionless melancholy in the front of the large piazza that runs from end to end of the building. This piazza has a low eave and low ceiling, giving the house a beetle-browed look, and the low columns are of a deep blue and look dingy and old. There are three doors, and not a lock that isn't broken. The ghost did that. He, she, 
or it, as the case may be, broke every lock and every door in that house long ago, and they have never been repaired. Many panes are broken out of the windows that light the two main rooms. Into the right-hand door, which opens onto the old parlor, I walked. God. Does that paint a nice little picture? Yeah, that was that was hauntingly beautiful. Right? Yeah, I'm so intrigued now. Now you can see why when I was reading this article, I felt like, oh, I'm inspired a bit. Yeah. I gotta use this article. It's, it's so good. I love you know what? I love articles like that who are just like, you know, we're not just gonna be like your pyramid try pyr- pyramid article <clears> of just like top line facts. Like yeah. I'm gonna set the scene for I'm gonna tell you what I'm saying right now and bring you here. So this article is technically a letter that he had written because like he obviously didn't know that his train would be broken down and have to stop over in this like tiny nowhere town. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, like it's Surrency. I'm like from nearby. Everyone in southern Georgia knows the story of the Surrency house. Mm-hmm. So like while I'm here, I'm going to go and check out that creepy house. Yeah. So then he just he himself had gotten inspired after his visit. And we'll find like at the end of his encounter when. He is waiting on the train, at the train platform for the train to come. He had just like wrote everything mm-hmm. down in like this, like kind of like stream of consciousness, consciousness letter that he was just like, whoa, what an experience. I'm writing it all down. Yeah. So it also has that kind of vibe because it wasn't like a planned, like you're saying, article of like, let me just bang out the things that you want to hear. Yeah. It's like a very intimate writing. Mm-hmm. So after he goes inside of the Surrency house he enters into the parlor he describes going into the house it's very quiet the parlor is very old the floors are bare and his footfalls echo as he makes his way to another door standing ajar this door leads into the sex dungeon (laughs) yeah a kinky poltergeist oh no yeah (laughs) help me step journalist no Not just kinky, just a total freak. So this door that's standing ajar leads into the dining room, which is dark and it has no ceilings. It's just rafters. The cupboard and dining table are still standing in the room. And past them is the kitchen with a dilapidated stove. And an elderly lady is there stoking a small fire. Okay. So Monty goes up to this woman and he's like, hello. <laughs> Hello, my name is Montgomery. I'm going to be referred to as Monty in 150 years. I don't want to say Montgomery every time. It's so long. <laughs> my name is Monty. Guess why they added the Gummery, huh? Ew, the sound! <laughs> you know what? For the listeners, I'm going to boost that in post. <laughs> and then that's when no one else hears about the story ever again because yeah. everyone turns it off after... <laughs> So Monty goes in this kitchen, he says, hello, and he asks if she lives in the house, and she says she doesn't, but she works in the house. He then asks if she knows the story of this house. I realized I said house so many times. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> of this dwelling. Of this maison. <laughs> maison. And she's Abode. like, she's pretty much just like, of course I know the story. Everyone in town knows the story of this house. I mean, everyone in southern Georgia probably knows the story of this house. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's like, yeah, I know this story. I don't really want to talk about it, though, because even though I personally haven't witnessed anything supernatural or 
poltergeist related. There's no sense in upsetting the boogers. Um, the boogers. Don't want to upset the boogers. Yeah. So that was written a few times in this article and talking about like the ghouls, the ghosts. Yeah. And call them boogers. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I guess makes sense because ghosts are supposed to be like boo. So I guess uh, they're boogers. <laughs> okay. So she's like, no, I mean, I never seen anything and like whatever, but like I don't want to upset them though. Yeah. And plus, like, you can't pick your boogers. No boogers. You shouldn't pick them. You definitely shouldn't need them. So, Monty learns that this old woman lives nearby. Uh, she is employed by Mrs. Thigpen, who is the homeowner. And she comes to the house to cook for the people who board there. So, it's a boarding house. Okay. At the moment, the old woman is cooking for Mr. Huey, who's boarding at the house with plans of moving in permanently. So he's been there for a hot minute. Mr. Huey is actually upstairs right now. So um, Monty is like, all right, I guess I'll go introduce myself. I'll talk to him, see if he's ever seen anything creepy around here. Mm-hmm. So he goes upstairs. He finds Mr. Huey. They uh, chat a bit. And Monty learns that Mr. Huey is a young man from Atlanta who is currently in charge of two new pump house oh, pump stations. Okay. On the main road in town. So that's why he's been boarding at the Surrency home. And like everyone else in Surrency, he's heard of the boogers. So when Monty asks if he's ever experienced anything supernatural, Mr. Huey is like, well, I've been here for a while and I had never experienced anything until recently. And I can't explain it. It is so weird. Mm-hmm. Quote. Imagine I just did this really bad southern accent the whole time. I was waiting for it. No, I can't. Because I, I can't stick to it. Okay. He's, so Mr. Huey says, in fact, I saw a strange sight here Sunday night was a week ago and others witnessed it besides me. Not much has been said about it as the owner, Mrs. Thigpin, talks of moving into the house soon. I was in the pump house out there that night and it was dark as Egypt and raining a slow drizzle. Suddenly... I it's dark in Egypt, huh? It's dark as Egypt. I, I guess because the d- desert's really dark at night. I don't know. Probably about as, as dark as anywhere else. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> Fuck. He probably Mr. Huey was probably like, "That's a good one, right? Write that down." Yeah, I don't know. This stream of consciousness <laughs> makes no sense, but it sounds hot. <laughs> <laughs> sounds hot. <laughs> That's probably so loud. It was very loud. <laughs> shit okay and it was dark as egypt and raining a slow drizzle suddenly i happened to look toward the old house and i saw that it was brilliantly lighted up i feared some of the boys had started too large a fire in the chimney and i walked over there to see about it the light looked more like an electric light than an ordinary fire light and as i entered the parlor imagine my surprise to find that there was not a spark of fire in the room a weird white light of unusual brilliancy filled the house and you could see to pick up a pin from the floor. I was dumbfounded. Opening the dining room door, I entered and I could see clear back into the kitchen and yet there was not a spark of fire visible. I stood there wondering where the light came from and thought of ascending the stairs to see if there was any fire up there. I peeped into the other main room, which was also well lighted and still no fire. I did not put much faith in ghosts, but this staggered me. There was no place where which the light might be reflected, and the more I thought, the more I was puzzled. 
I took a step forward and just as I did, the light went out and I was alone in the darkness. I felt my way through the door, groped through the parlor, my hair rose, and the cold chills chased each other along my backbone as I stepped out into the night with the wind moaning among the trees and the dismal sob of the drizzling rain around me. Weird. Right? Yeah. Mystery light? It's so strange. It's so, <laughs> so strange. It's so strange. Yeah, and as uh, Mr. Huey had mentioned, the other people, there was other people that witnessed this, mm-hmm. and no one had any ex- explanation as to what happened. Like, it just happened so suddenly and ended so suddenly. Just a mystery light coming in there, and then and then his own light goes out, and he's, like, left in there. The whole, yeah, well, yeah, like, oh. just the whole light just disappeared. Yeah. So then it was pitch black, because there yeah. was no fire lit. Yeah. So then he, he's just alone in, in the, the darkness. Dark. Oh, it's like it lured him. Right? Yeah. It's so creepy. And I just think of like movies, like definitely you and I have watched. That's usually like an alien movie. Mm-hmm. And how if a UFO was like above or around the house and it just like all lights up in through the windows and it's just, just lit up. Yeah. You know what that is? That's That's like the like... 1800s version of my favorite but also like most terrifying moment in paranormal activity movies where it's just like you're just hanging out and then you're like front door open Ew. and then it goes back door open side door oh and they're mm-hmm. all just open all the doors are all of a sudden like tripping mm-hmm. that's that's like the 1800s version where he's just like already in the house and then yeah. the light just gone He's like realizing every room in the house is lit. Like yeah. he said, uh, like brilliantly white light filling like the whole house. That's, that you could see to pick a pin from the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good this light was. When he wrote that, he probably thought he was a genius. He's like, this is gold. This is literary gold. People will talk about this in 2023. And he was right. Well, here I am. So hearing Mr. Huey's experience, Monty was probably like, yo, that's fucking sick, but also really scary. Mm -hmm. So Monty headed back downstairs to speak with the old woman again. And he was probably like, yo, (laughs) have you heard Mr. Huey's story? Like, that's wild. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if she really did that. I just like to imagine. Word for word. This shit is cray. Yo. (laughs) (laughs) The old woman. Dude. Yeah. The old woman is like, fucking people from outside town, man. Yeah. Definitely not a local. So uh, she, uh, in talking to Monty, uh, the old lady mentions that Mrs. Thigpin actually lives on the adjoining property. And he could see if she wanted to speak about her experiences in the house because she owns it. Mm-hmm. So with that, Monty left the kitchen. He left out the door. Um, that's attached to the kitchen that leads into this cute little garden. He goes past the budding apple trees and he makes his way to Mrs. Thigpin's dwelling. All right. Quote, I found her a middle-aged lady with a pleasant motherly face and a calm, quiet, dignified manner that showed she was none of your hysterical, easily frightened women who go into convulsions at the cry of a screech owl. Okay, one, rude. He said that she wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, come on. It's 1889. You, know, you might as well have just been like Mrs. Thigpin, more like Mrs. 
thick pin, am I right? I don't know what that means. You're so dumb. <laughs> so after some pleasantries and small talk, Mrs. Thigman told Monty the story of the Sorensi family poltergeist, an occurrence that took place nearly 16 years ago in the very home that she owned. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I was still picturing Mrs. Thickpin. Do you like horror movies? Do you like hanging out with your friends? Do you like having a laugh? Do you like podcasts? Well, you should check out our podcast, Spoils of Horror. We're not a review show. We're a horror movie hangout where we talk about movies that are lost, forgotten, popular, and bizarre, all in the scary realm. You can listen to our podcast while you're doing just about anything. You could be washing your dishes. You could be washing your cat. You could be washing your genitals. <laughs> <laughs> all forms of genitals accepted. <laughs> We are a fully inclusive genitalia show. Yes. We are the number one ideal podcast for washing your genitals. Our genital Yelp reviews are unsurpassed. Five and a half stars. <laughs> you don't want to know where that half came from. Uh... <laughs> now that you know that, check us out on all major platforms. You can search for Spoils of Horror on all social media sites. Come and hang out with us. We'd love to see you. And your genitals. <laughs> Bye. The Surrency family consisted of Mr. and Mrs. Surrency and their daughter and son. They lived comfortably in the big, beautiful boarding house they owned on a nice plot of land, quote, near the railroad tracks that ran through town. Mm. Just so you know, this area, this town, it has like a total area of less than a square mile. <laughs> So I feel like so most like, houses are near the railroad yeah, track. So like everything is completely indistinctive. So I got a kick out of that. I had to Google it because I was like, I know it's a really small town, and like at the point, the um, at the point that the poltergeist activity is happening, it's like an unincorporated community, basically. Oh, sick! So I don't I know like, why that's sick, but it adds to it. Yeah, because this makes it feel so like new. Yeah. Um, and so I looked it up because I was like, I know it's tiny, and then when I did, it's like. Tiny, tiny, less than a square mile today. Like, it's still a town, obviously, and the population is, like, 194 people. Mm -hmm. It's so small. So they're probably all doing the railroad tracks. Anyway, um, compared to other townsfolk, the Sternsey family was well off. They had some money, and the patriarch of the family, Alan, even owned another Alan. house. I knew it. That's what I was waiting for. I can't not do it. It's impossible. <laughs> Alan um, even owned another house in a nearby town. So that's 1870s. They're doing pretty good mm -hmm. to own multiple properties. Sadly, the peace in their comfy boarding home didn't last long. Whether something was awakened, that long occupied the land, or something evil showed up out of nowhere is up for debate. But we know for sure that this entity made itself known and began terrorizing the family and anyone else who entered the building. I love and hate the idea of an entity showing up on the scene and is just like, I'm here now. You're dealing with this. Yeah. I'm here to fuck shit up. Yeah. Oh, 
fuck, that's actually really sick and I love it. You're just like living your best life in your boarding house. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, the fuck is going on? So Mrs. Thigpin told Monty, quote, Mr. Cernsey had gone to Baxley and their daughter remarked that at it was, as it was nearly train time, she would go and see if it were coming. Suddenly, she rushed into the house, breathless, and cried, Oh, I was so badly scared. I saw a man dressed in white coming out yonder, and somebody threw a chunk at me, and like it to have struck me. <laughs> God, the old school language, though. Yeah. <laughs> it really sucks the air out of the room, doesn't it? <laughs> like, nowadays, most of it would be confined to this. Holy fuck! And that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. Everyone gets the gist of it, but she has to go on a fucking diatribe. Oh, I was so badly scared. I saw a man dressed in white coming out yonder. Somebody threw a chunk at me like it to have struck me. So, <laughs> oh. I wasn't as breathless as she was, I'm sure. But, yeah, basically she goes outside to go head over to the train track to see if the train's coming in that has her dad on it. Mm -hmm. And she saw a mysterious like man dressed in white like walking towards her and then all of a sudden a piece of like debris or something just launched at her like it was supposed to hit her i wonder what it was i'm not sure it just they just kept saying chunk so it's like debris like maybe like old bricks or rocks or something i'm not sure that's fucking mean i know right so mrs thigpin continued um a gentleman who boarded with the family went out to investigate Several chunks fell around him, and after he came in, everyone heard the chunks strike the palings. Mr. Sorensey came home, and the first thing he noticed was the strange movements of the clock. It ran clear around in five minutes and repeated the performance at frequent intervals. From that, the reign of terror began. Oh, that's fucking sick, too. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm loving this. Oh, good. So the falling chunks and spastic clock were the first thing to happen in the house. Mm -hmm. And like we said, like just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, literally the mom and daughter are just hanging out. She's like, I'm going to go see if daddy's coming home. And then just, it starts. Yep. Poltergeist was like, yo, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just love the, like, show-stopping theatrics that poltergeists pull off. Mm -hmm. Like, one, throwing chunks at people with indistinguishable chunks, apparently. <laughs> I know, as long as they're not blowing chunks. Yeah. Vomit rains down. And then you're like, oh my god. <laughs> my, my word, Papa isn't here, but I had chunks thrown at me. Don almost near me knocked me over. That was and really then, good. And then a fucking clock just starts going chiming non-stop yeah like, and like and the hands were just spinning around it's dope that's a great entrance that's a broadway tiered entrance right there oh yeah yeah i agree so after the the spastic clock the fallen chunks the next thing to happen was the windows and doors repeatedly slammed shut um, initially, the family would try and rationalize it. They were like, you know, it's just a draft or like a gust of wind. No big deal. But when the securely closed windows and doors started opening after they had been slammed shut, they knew that it was definitely the poltergeist. Yeah, that's that's fucking alarming. Yeah. And this happened so frequently that the doors and locks on the doors would break. And it reached a point that the family just stopped repairing them because they're like, what is even the point? It's, they're just going to break again. Yeah. So that is what Monty was referring to in the article when he 
was going into the pro- into the house and saw that the doors were still like broken and the locks didn't work. Oh, it was still like that even when he went there. So the family would just be like sitting in their favorite chair, standing in their parlor room, whatever, and this bitter cold breeze would just like move through them and totally chill them to the bone. Oh, like just going one to the other. Yeah, and then like a door or a window would slam and like they could feel it coming. Yeah. You can like track it moving across the room. So creepy. It's very creepy. Oh, it gave me goosebumps. <laughs> the activity ramped up uh, really quickly, and the family members reported witnessing a plethora of paranormal activity. There was objects that would fly off of the walls and across the room. Books fell from the shelves. Furniture moved on its own. They'd hear mysterious like laughter, crying, screams. Just coming from nowhere. Oh, I hate when you hear a sound and you can't tell which direction it's coming in. Yeah, that's a scary enough. Let alone if it was like a straight up scream or a mm-hmm. laugh. Be like, ew, stop taunting me. Yeah, I I just get fucking chills whenever like like if you're in like the woods or something and you can't tell what where mm-hmm. the sounds coming from. That's already annoying. Yeah, you just feel like a scared animal. But then I always think like too is like what people always say to get people more scared is. If it sounds far away, it's much closer than you think. Ew. That always gets me. I'm like, you fuckers. That's a nightmare statement. (laughs) So the family would also just be chilling, look out the window, and there would just be red eyes staring in the window at them. Okay, no, that's a red. That's my line. That's That's where I'm actually, like, terrified. I know. you like, did someone hear, like, a weird scream or crying? And you look out the window and there's just beady red eyes staring at you. Oh. It's like that um, Midnight Mass. Oh, yeah. That one scene where... That's scary. Looking through the window. Oh, the yeah. officer is in his son's bedroom, and they had just like done their praying and stuff, and he's just talking to him before bed, and Got the kid jumps down. because there's something looking in the window right behind his dad's head. Yeah. Oh, so scary. Well, the dad fucking jumped. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah. The, get your guard down because it's such a wholesome moment, and then mm-hmm. bam! Right to terror. So spooky. In the house, shoes would just move on their own across the floor. Poltergeist was just trying on everyone's footwear and <laughs> modeling it. Weird sniffing sounds could be heard throughout the night. Ew. <laughs> Food was thrown from their plates during dinner. And Mrs. Thigpin said, quote, dishes, knives, and forks and everything of the sort would leave the table and go flying here or there. All the crockery, china, and glass was broken. Finally, the family bought tinware, and the tin plates would go flying around and strike the walls hard enough to indent them. Mrs. Cerency never forgot the curious, dead sound the things made as they fell. It was unlike anything she had ever heard before or since. Mm. That's it. That statement I always found was creepy because you're just... Like, she's also like a housewife, right? She's just chilling at home, doing her duties, taking care of the kids, because they also have a son, and uh, he's just a baby. And so you're, like, tidying up or whatever, getting food ready for your boarders, whatever the case is, and it's quiet. Mm -hmm. And then just a tin plate or bowl or whatever flies across the room, smacks off the wall, and that sound it would make, just, like, spinning on the ground yeah, as it's, like, coming to rest. And then it would be quiet, and you'd just be like, is that it? Is there more to come? Uh, like, come on, like, what's going on, Poltergeist? Yeah. It's so spooky. It's your end game here. 
word was spreading around very quickly about the poltergeist um, and the list of activity I just mentioned were also witnessed by people who had came to check out the haunted house. So quite a few of these things were seen by other people as well. Mrs. Thigpen said, quote, the neighbors came in to try to discover some explanation of the strange occurrences. Then people came from a, then people from a distance came. And during the eight months that the phenomena were repeated, hundreds of persons came from all parts of the country to watch, watch and wonder. Mm. That's always good. Turn the poltergeist into a spectacle. That's a great idea. It's 1872, I believe. Like, there's nothing else to do. Look, with Thick Pen, I was already thinking of Pig Woman. And oh, no! Now it's just becoming a spectacle. I'm just hoping we have another, uh, what was it? The Mills murders? The Hall Mills. Hall Mills murders. Hall's Mill. Hall Mills murder. Oh, it's my favorite. That's my favorite. what, new, episode new seven? New Podbean listeners. That's my recommendation to you. Episode seven, part one and two. Yeah. I believe it was seven. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Another old timey one. Uh huh. So, among these visitors that would come to check out the haunted house, there were reporters who were showing up to the house to catch a glimpse of the poltergeist, just like everyone. And these reporters would publish articles about their experiences, which would in turn keep spreading the word, which brought more visitors to the tiny community. So, it was. Really a hot spot for people to come and check out. And most of the town folks liked the attention that the small town was getting. Um, which I mean, guess I guess that makes sense to me. Like if people are coming to your small town that really there's no reason to go, especially because there used to be a sawmill, but it had moved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like putting you on the map again. It's a little small little businesses that are people are shopping at and obviously people are in town so they're hungry so people are they're going into like restaurants and stuff and getting fed and the market and yeah, whatever like, ironically ironically brings life into the town right yeah yeah so most of the townsfolk were like hey it's kind of nice actually it's kind of cool to see something happening here for once mm-hmm. one of the reporters uh, was from the savannah morning news and they wrote about a weird buzzing noise at the hands of the clock, which began moving around with exceedingly rapid motion, the hour hand exactly five minutes ahead of the minute hand. So they witnessed what the father had of it just all of a sudden this weird buzzing sound would happen and then the clock would just spin. Huh. Weird. The same reporter wrote about witnessing books mysteriously falling off the library shelf a bottle of oil leaping off a table and onto the floor, hogs suddenly appearing in the living room, and unearthly screams floating down the lofty old corridors. Okay. Now I'm like, didn't even put together the fact that you're like, I'm just thinking of pig woman, and there's hogs that are mysteriously appearing. You know what? (laughs) Why does it all come back to pig woman? I willed it into this story. did. (laughs) So, I don't know. That's the only place i've heard about the hogs that suddenly appear in the living room i don't know if they're if it's normal like if there was already hogs outside and all of a sudden they were all inside i have no idea about that but there was hogs and they mysteriously appeared Mm -hmm. the certainty family sought help from scientists psychics ministers anyone that they thought could help them but none of them could and when these people would come into the house it actually seemed to make things worse because after one of these people would show up to investigate or try to ward off the spirit, whatever they were there to do, mm-hmm. 
after they left, things would just ramp up. And that's how you, why you have this like escalating list of things happening is because every time someone tried to come in to help, it seemed to actually piss off the poltergeist. Mm-hmm. A quote, little nurse girl was struck in the head with a bottle while standing right next to Mrs. Surrency, who was holding her son. Yeah. And Mrs. Thigpen said, quote, the things seemed to have such a spite at that girl that Mrs. Surrency was forced to send her away. Mm. So this little nurse girl, I don't know if that is just old time like phrasing for like maybe a midwife or like a servant girl or something that helps with the kid. Maybe the kid was sick. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, apparently the poltergeist fucking did not like that girl. And she would just keep getting be abused by the poltergeist. <laughs> so Mrs. Cerency was like, all right, dear, you gotta go. You, like, you you're literally in danger here. Yeah. The final straw for the family was when a hot iron, lifted by an invisible hand, started repeatedly hitting the sun over the head. Yeah. What? It had been eight months of torture, and the family had enough. And yeah. it was 1873 when they fled the house. They were like, okay, now our son is just getting <laughs> beaten over the head yep. repeatedly with a hot iron. I think we <laughs> should leave. Yeah. Mrs. Thigpin said, Mr. Sorensi lived several years after that, but he was killed in a fight with a man in Baxley who stabbed him to death. Oh. And so Monty is hearing all this from Mrs. Thigpin, and he's probably like totally enthralled by the story because remember, like this tale was 16 years like before so he's just kind of there visiting this house he's probably heard stories about it um who knows if the tales he's heard were like really embellished or whatever so he was probably like this is so cool to like hear from someone who's lives here and owns the house mm-hmm. like this story yeah and he was probably also like whoa like mrs thickpin how do you like know so much about this and Mrs. Thigpin was like, because I am Mrs. Surrency. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of reaction I was expecting, but it was <laughs> a little more like, what? Than that. <laughs> so the last part, like, probably it didn't actually happen. He wasn't like, well, Mrs. Thigpin, how do you know so much about this? Because, like, Monty totally knew that he was talking to Mrs. Cerency. Yeah. But I wanted to add that for my own dramatic flair. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were fucking kidding. No, she is Mrs. Cerency. Oh, my fucking God. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were, like, pulling, like, a twist. <laughs> like a like a joke twist. No, sh- Mrs. Thigpin is Mrs. Cerency. So not long after the family had fled from the poltergeist mm-hmm. and settled elsewhere, Mr. Cerency died. Um, he was killed in Baxley, which is where he worked. Yeah. He got stabbed to death. So Mr. Cerency uh, married a man named Dr. Travis Thigpin. And sadly, that marriage sucked. She said that it was very unhappy. Uh-huh. Monty wrote in the article, quote, he wanted to make away with the property belonging to her children and she wouldn't allow it finally he left one morning saying he would return that evening but he never came back that was six or seven years ago he just irish goodbye it yeah he was just like he obviously just wanted to use her like he's married her she's a widow she has two 
properties at least. Mm-hmm. And he's probably like, whatever, like you're with me now. Like sell those old houses. I want the money. She's like, no, like these are for my kids. Mm-hmm. One of them might be a haunted ass fucking house, but you don't get a say over this. This is from my previous life. They're for my kids. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and just left and never saw her again. Yeah. So yeah, that's who Mrs. Thigpen is. Oh she had returned to the property uh, she lived on the adjoining property, so again, another house that she owns, and had kept the house open as a boarding house or reopened it, or however that came to be, and had the old woman in there working to feed the boarders, and Mr. Huey is going to move in permanently one day, so she has like a permanent boarder there, mm-hmm. and that's why when Mr. Huey is telling the story of like how the light, the light was in the house and it was all lit up really bright, he said that no one's really talking about it because they don't want to upset Mrs. Thigpin because she does want to move back into that house one day. Mm-hmm. And so they don't really want to, you know, dissuade her from that. Also, she owns it. And... Very kind of this. Very sweet. So, yeah. I'm also not going to be able to imagine that she didn't, like, rip off a fake mustache <laughs> and say, like, I am her. I am Mr. Cerency. <laughs> Mr. Cerency. And the fake mustache just reveals a different color mustache. <laughs> she rips it off. <laughs> it's like someone with like a wig to rip it off and then it's the same colored hair. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something that's on like a lip sync in RuPaul. <laughs> yeah, it is. But yeah, just, uh, I don't know. I thought I would write it that way just to be dramatic, but I hope it wasn't confusing. Monty knew all along that Mrs. Thigpin was Mrs. Zerency, but yeah. I was writing it in a way that would be like, oh, what? That's why he knows she, she knows so much because she is her. Yeah. <laughs> Thigpin and Zerency are the same thing. Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> if you get it, you get it. I don't think Tyson gets it. <laughs> Ace Ventura. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I oddly recognize your references, <laughs> but seldom do I know where they come from. Like, that sounds, that's a hint of familiarity to me. <laughs> All right. So Monty thanked Mrs. Thigpin slash Mrs. Cerency for her time. Probably wished her luck with the house and the potential of moving back in. And he continued on his way. So his plan is now, like, he's seen the house. He's heard the story from the literal woman who experienced it all. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, I guess I'll just make my way back to the train platform and wait for my train because kind of creeped out and also there's nothing else to do. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing else in this fucking town. So as he's heading back, he passes some nearby cabins and there's a man, like, I don't know what he's doing, working, hanging out, but Monty stop, stops to talk to him and Monty asks about the certainty house mm-hmm. and the man kind of like looked around really quickly like he was a bit scared because he's like oh the locals say that there's no spirits around here because you know people are just trying to not h- hype it up as much mm-hmm. also you have mrs thigpin who wants to live in the house one day and it's so adorable that everyone <laughs> in the town is trying to like keep it on the down low so that she can feel comfortable enough to live in the home she mm-hmm. wants to yeah because also sweet. like She's uh, just a middle-aged woman. She's had a pretty crazy life so far. Yeah, she's a real spinster. Spinster. So, yeah, this guy, he like looks around. He's like, oh, fuck. Like, people say there's no spirits here, but I'm telling you, there is. Because I've seen some spooky shit around this property before. 
Uh, there's like an old well nearby. There's an old shed nearby. And then from inside the well, I hear like strange noises and groaning sounds. A spooky old, old groaning well. And near the shed, he said that he saw a man slowly walking towards him. And when he was like trying to focus on the man, like, the fuck is that? The man had no head. Oh. And he said that people that live in the area stay away from the woods that are around the property. Um, in the beginning, I w- talked about how Monty was approaching and it's like these old cedars and there's just this quiet, dead like trees and stuff. So that surrounds the property. And, and this man that Monty's talking to says that people do not go anywhere near those woods. They, especially at night, because people have heard something roaming around in them and no one ventures into or near the woods after dark because like you'll probably fucking die Hmm. that's probably a pretty good rule yeah Yeah. so he's like man people around here want to try and play it down but i'm telling you i hang out near these cabins all the time and there's some fucking scary shit that goes down yeah like a man with no head yeah and i yelled how's your head and i just yelled back <laughs> no, the well, the groaning well said it. <laughs> so Monty thanked the man for his time and continued on his way to head back to the platform. And as he waited for the train, he wrote this letter, which would become the article that I'm quoting from, as I mentioned. And to end the letter, Monty wrote, Surrency House is the very abomination of desolation. It is too lonely to be picturesque. Just shits on it. Uh-uh. Signed Monty. Oh. Her your Dyson. Love Monty. <laughs> <laughs> Love Theodore Roosevelt. So I think he signed it off that way <laughs> because he was scared. I think he was very creeped out. Yeah. Because um, I didn't write it down, but there was also a part in the letter where when he got to the train platform, he had time to write this letter because the train wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. And it was dark out by this point. And he had been just hanging out on the platform. And he saw this, like, thing walking towards him that looked like it had no head. Oh, And my he had God. just heard the story from the man at the cabin. Yeah. And so he was, like, petrified and was, like, he said he was, like, reaching for his revolver because... It's fucking 1889. Everyone has a gun on them. <laughs> and he was like getting ready to like pull it out because he didn't know what the fuck this was. Yeah. And then the thing said something to him and he just realized that it was like a homeless person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he was like so fucking scared. He thought a headless ghoul was coming towards him alone like, on the I was platform. This close to going to prison. <laughs> and then the, I forget what the, what he called them, but they were, they're like a, a patrolman basically that, is on the train platform and Mm -hmm. he just came over with a lantern and like shooed the homeless person away. (laughs) (laughs) And then right after that, the train came. Yeah. And so he got on the train (laughs) and said, Cerency house is the very abomination of desolation. It's just too lonely to be picturesque. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. So I think he was just very scared. Yeah. He was scared and embarrassed and a little mad. Yeah. Fuck. That was I would didn't know what to expect, but I did walk into a place that's like a fucking haunted ass area. Heard from like the woman herself about the story, 
was told by a man that he's seen a headless ghoul. I thought I saw a headless ghoul. I'm in over my head here. I can't wait to fucking get out of this creepy ass town. Yeah. <laughs> On an early morning in 1925, 52 years after the family fled their home, the Cerency house went up in flames, completely burning to the ground. No, fuck, I hate when that happens. And no one, like, no one knows what happened. Oh, it was a mystery fire? It's just, just burnt to the ground completely, like, gone. Yeah, I wonder who did it. It's weird. <laughs> The townspeople have always <laughs> speculated that the haunting was cries for help from spirits who thought that the family would be able to save them. But after the house burned down, they wondered if that could have been the case. Uh, chances are it likely wasn't because even after the house was gone, locals say that paranormal activity still happens throughout the town, especially on the land that the house once occupied. Yeah, I'm telling you, people are really underlooking the fucking haunted forest. Right. It's that the, shit's ugh. creepy as fuck. Oh, something's in there. I don't like hearing that. No, so they and they don't see anything. They just hear something roaming. That is so fucking creepy. That is a that is a movie in itself right there. Uh, That'd I be wanna, a very good one. Oh, I didn't even see if there was any movies based on this because it would be pretty good. Oh, we should we should look. Okay, crowdfunding. Let's uh, make a movie. <laughs> 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 Um, so, you know, classic when it comes to a story or tale, whatever, about land that is haunted, especially like a little town. Mm -hmm. uh, the first theory is that the land is haunted because indigenous people occupied the land first. So. Yeah, that always seems to be the go-to, mainly because we took their land. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Just Moved easy right on in. Yeah. We just took it over. Yeah. So there's the ancient burial grounds. There's a lot of spirituality connected to the land. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like the first theory, um, especially in this area of southern Georgia. There was evidence of truncated earthworks pyramids, otherwise known as platform mounds, hierarchical chiefdoms, and intensive village-based maze horticulture. Um, all of that has been recovered. Okay. This points to the South Appalachian Mississippian culture, the last of many mound-building Native American cultures, which lasted from 1800 to 1500 AD. Oh, holy so, shit. Okay. So, uh, a fucking long time ago. So, in all parts, all over the place in southern Georgia, evidence of this tribe has been found. That's so long, if you think about it. 800 to 1500 AD, and that's the last of the mound building people. Mm -hmm. So even before that, there was mound building tribes. I don't know if it was in southern Georgia, but this one specifically is. Yeah. And then you fast forward to the time of colonization. Uh, Cherokee, Yamasee, and Hichiti tribes mm -hmm. lived throughout Georgia. And these tribes were associated with the Guali tribe to the east and the Tumukua to the south. And archaeology shows that these tribes were in this region, excuse me, where Serency is, from the 12th century to colonial times. Okay. So, a lot of history there. 
yeah. with different types of um, indigenous people. Lots of time to spark a haunting. Yeah, tons and tons of time to have a burial ground, ancient burial grounds all over. Mm-hmm. Ton of time for different cultures to have spirituality connected to this land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's theory one. All right, I like it. It's a good one. Also, a quick little education session. Yeah. <laughs> Another theory about, you know, the haunting relates to a, quote, geological mystery that was discovered below the surface of Surrency. In an article in the AJC, which was, is the Atlanta Journal Constitution or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I had said it earlier. I obviously just wrote AJC because I was too lazy to type it out. <laughs> <laughs> so this um, this article from that newspaper written on May 24th, 1987 mm-hmm. by Charles Seabrook. Charles writes, quote, <laughs> quote. <laughs> and I quote. And I quoteth, deep, very deep, <laughs> in the heart of South Georgia. <laughs> Bone shilling deep. <laughs> deep, very deep in the heart of South Georgia, miles beneath the tiny crossroads town of Cernsey, lies a mysterious, newly discovered geological formation never detected anywhere else in the world. Geologists say the Cernsey Bright Spot, nine miles beneath South Georgia's piney woods, may be an ancient reservoir of water or other fluid formed by the collision of North Africa and North America. About 500 million years ago, the two continents collided, forming the Appalachian Mountains. Sometime during the collision, water or some other fluid may have trickled deep into the zone between the continents, forming the Surrency Bright Spot. So that's from the article. Oh, so it's like the water's underground. Underneath that creepy-ass forest. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that's it right now. So, doctor... That, that <laughs> ghoulish fucking water is haunted as fuck... It's obviously got the souls of the dead in it, and it's fucking, it's just physicalized into the fucking trees. And they don't know what it is, so it could be water, it could be something else. They have no idea. Yep. And it is beneath certainty, so yeah, right, where the woods are, the haunted houses, the train tracks, all of it. Yep. Um, it's because it's two miles wide, so it's bigger than certainty. Okay, yeah. Because certainty, like I said, is less than a square mile. Oh, I'm telling you, that's fucking it. So Dr. Larry Brown was part of the scientific team that discovered the formation. Mm-hmm. And he he and his team found it because in the 80s they were detailing the Earth's mantle. So they learned the formation is about two miles in diameter and it's shaped like a, quote, contact lens. So it's like a little bowl kind of. Right. And in order to detail the Earth's mantle, scientists beam sound waves into the ground. And they can calculate how, what the depth is waiting for the like reflection to come back up. Oh, okay. So they beam it down. It's reflected back to the surface. These, whatever they are, spikes are recorded on a graph. And then that's how they found the bright spot because they're like going through. And it's usually like anywhere from like 20 to 30 miles deep. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it, it's like nine nine miles deep and they're like why is it only nine miles deep here this is fucked up yeah it's very weird and that's when they they 
coined it the Cerency bright spot and it's not bright because like it's emitting all this light or anything they just call it bright in terms of the way that it's reflecting the sound back on the chart yeah so scientists like i said they don't know exactly what this bright spot is it appears to be a subterranean pool of water or other liquid uh, but scientists are conflicted by that because i just need to not say that what or other liquid or, or or other fluid, liquid, whatever. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck else would it be? Well, I'll tell you. Okay. So, scientists are conflicted by it being a subterranean pool of water because heat and pressure at those depths, so nine miles into the earth, mm-hmm. it's at that point so hot and there's so much pressure so it doesn't make sense especially for like fucking hundreds of millions of years that this pool of water just exists because it's nearly 500 degrees fahrenheit and quote pressures are great enough to flatten the sturdiest truck like a pancake oh, holy fuck so they're like if there is water here how is it just sitting there it's fucking 500 degrees it would just be like a boiling point or have been completely evaporated it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. So Dr. Brown says that if it isn't a pool of water, it could be like a liquefied gas such as carbon dioxide or methane or liquid helium. But he says, again, because of all this pressure and temperature, they don't know. And because of the temperature and pressure, they're like 99.9% sure that it's not oil Mm -hmm. because that's really deep. Oil is not usually nine fucking miles deep into the earth yeah um and even if it were it's impossible to recover it's impossible to know what this is because you can't go that far into the fucking earth i also don't want to see anyone fucking try because it sounds like it's a fucking like cooker pot like it's just gonna yeah so they're like all you can do is speculate on what it is and people are just like what like i don't fucking know what it is there's nowhere like this that's been found on earth yet and it's just creepy. That's, I don't like that. That's fucking weird as fuck. I know. So yeah, there's a little history lesson on the bright spot. But to bring it back to the haunting, mm-hmm. um, when the mayor of Cerency in the 80s heard about this, he, uh, the article says, quote, Cerency Mayor Stanford Tillman, first informed of the unique geological feature last week, has his own theory. Quote, it might have something to do with the Cerency's ghost. If this town is known for anything, it's for the ghost that supposedly haunted the old Cerency house. A lot of us always suspect that the goings-on had something to do with unusual magnetic activities in our area. The discovery of this formation is very exciting. (laughs) So, the formation could also account for other hauntings that happened in Cerency. According to a small article in the AJC from February 28th, 1883, quote, Montgomery County County is wild with excitement over another surrency case. Mr. Adams' house was attacked by evil spirits rapping at the side of the house. Mr. Adams tore down the ceiling and the plastering of the house, seeking the cause. The people are flocking by the hundreds about the town, about the house, terror stricken. So in 
another apparently like poltergeist haunting happened at this dude's Drove house. Him to tear down the ceiling. Yeah, to try and figure out what the fuck was tapping yeah. everywhere. Imagine. Okay, well we're in a fucking room right now. Imagine you'd hear tapping distinctly in your ceiling. No. Yeah, it's, that's very upsetting. It's upsetting, yeah. Especially because I live in a building too. So I'm like, is that something I have to worry about? <laughs> like, is this just a ghoul? Is there a leak? Like, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. But you just hear it. It sounds like something's running on all fours on your ceiling. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, Why not? The bedroom stranglers on my roof. No, no, no. Better yet, it's a uh, it's a ghost. So it's it's actually not. Doesn't sound like it's coming from the other side of the ceiling. It comes from the. <gasps> Just sound sounds like it's running all fours. I'm telling you, man, I should be a horror movie director. I'd be fantastic. It was easy to relate to a ghoul when you are one. <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um the theory is that the reservoir, the formation, whatever, the anomaly could have caused these like quote hauntings. Mm-hmm. Um maybe there was disruptions from electromagnetic fields maybe it was causing some sort of tremors stuff like that gateway it shouldn't be opening yeah like a creepy little gateway portal portal a portal a little subterranean portal you, the gateway would make a great story because of the fucking loop in with the well mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the well is always moaning maybe that's like maybe <laughs> no one even knows but this well actually goes nine miles into the fucking depths of earth yeah into the subterranean pool of mystery liquid oh this is gold this yeah. is gold this should be a movie already i want to see it i, I want to see this movie crowdfunding directors of descent are you listening oh my god i would watch that yeah yes it could be anyone though because the descent's really only the good movie that director made but <laughs> 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 so um where was i here tremors electromagnetic fields yeah so like maybe that's what's happened in certainty with these mm-hmm. supposed hauntings from the you know turn of the fucking 19th century yeah this mystery anomaly that still no one knows what the fuck it is because you can't go down that deep into earth all you can do is speculate mm-hmm. uh the only thing is like the poltergeist seemed so aggressive like it was slamming doors and there was that hot iron that like apparently got picked up and was repeatedly smashed over the guy's head yeah so like how's that from an electromagnetic field or a tremor or whatever like maybe some of the accounts could be because of it but there's still some weird things going on yeah or maybe I don't know, like the poltergeist uh, itself is from the bright spot that well that's what i was thinking was like so you know, people go, well, electric magnetic fields, like, I've never really heard anyone say, like, well, the electromagnetic fields are an excuse for having perceived the phenomenon. They're usually a conductor mm-hmm. yeah, for the phenomenon. Thank you. So That's like, the word I was looking so for. So, like, I mean, if someone was going to be like, oh, well, that explains the the whole thing. It's not poltergeist. It's electromagnetic fields. I'd be like, maybe for the clock, but were you listening to the rest of the story? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, doors broke and shit. So, I think slamming shut and then opening again yeah like stuff flying off bookshelves and and tinware flying across the room like a frisbee yeah so i think like red eyes in a window that's the worst part a headless man that's still the eyes for me though screaming crying laughing from nowhere something roaming in the woods also good 
like that was my foot oh okay i was like, um i heard a tapping <laughs> I, heard a, creaking. I heard a tapping a creaking <laughs> some creaks over yonder <laughs> But yeah, maybe it's like a con- like a catalyst. Like yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a conductor. Yeah, it I, just brings them in. And that is actually uh, how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's very clear that the bright spot is obviously spooky and weird as fuck. But yeah. the poltergeist, I think, is still like its its own thing happening here. And it could be as a result of the bright spot. Mm-hmm. But the town itself has seemingly always been a hot spot for weird paranormal activity. So for years, I'm talking over a century, mm-hmm. people have reported seeing the Surrency ghost light. So this is actually a light. Whereas the Surrency bright spot sounds like it would be bright because it's a light. But it was for reflection. But yeah, that's just the way it's People using named. the tools would say that was a bright spot. Yeah. But this is actually like a light. So it's the Surrency ghost light. And the light is described as a bright yellow ball that disappears as you get close to it. And it is seen along a stretch of railway that runs through the town. One man. Never good. I know. Just a mystery orb. Mystery floating orbs anywhere near. A train track. A train track. And then you got a creepy fucking haunted forest. Yeah. A haunted house. It's good, man. Like Haunted land. Yep. Headless men. Screaming wells. Moaning wells. Mm-hmm. So uh, one man witnessed this ghost light on multiple occasions, and he lived in the nearby town of Baxley. And he would often visit Surrency. And the first time that he encountered the ghost light was when he was a teenager. So he and some friends were hanging out near the train tracks where the light is known to appear. And he was standing on the train track when the light appeared several hundred yards in front of him, and it was just silently hovering over the railway. And he said the light was a very bright golden yellow light about the size and shape of a grapefruit. And when he approached the light, it moved toward him. And as they were like getting closer to each other, it suddenly disappeared and then quickly reappeared right behind him. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So some theorize that the light is a product of the bright spot. I'm one of those people. (laughs) Some theorize. (laughs) It's just me and you. (laughs) And some think it's not really anything paranormal resulting from the bright spot or whatever, but it's like swamp gas or a will-o'-wisp or whatever. And others believe that the light is connected to the poltergeist and some think that it could actually be a totally separate ghost, not the certainty of poltergeist. So, according to savannaterrors.com, quote, a tale of tragedy and heartbreak. One night, about half a century ago, after a heated lover's spat, the wife ran blindly out of the house. She ran, her husband chasing her down to the railroad tracks. So overcome by emotion was she that she failed to see the gigantic steam engine plowing at full speed. She was struck, dragged for a quarter mile under the tracks and instantly killed. It is said that you can actually see at night the lights of the distraught husband's lantern as he searches the tracks and collects the body chunks of what is left of his wife. Oh, mm-hmm. that's fucking graphic. Yeah. Probably swamp gas. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
So Dyson's on the side of the fence that's swamp gas. I'm, I'm not. Sorry. I actually, if anyone thinks it's swamp gas, I just want to admonish you for being such a fucking milk toast of a person. <laughs> you boring sack yeah, of crap. There's a literally an anomaly below you. You fucking snooze. Snooze. You fucking lame ass book reading, <laughs> nose picking, ass Booger. sniffing, lame ass. Fuck you. You suck. Also, if you're going to be like, no, it's not ghost or anything, like, give me, like, oh, it's a firefly. Don't give me it's swamp gas. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? Imagine a firefly so the size elaborate. of a grapefruit. <laughs> oh, that'd be dope, though. At least it's interesting, though. You got something. You got big ass fucking bugger on the loose. But if you're coming around saying it's swamp gas, you're gonna have this really lame, really fucking elaborate excuse of a, how all the perfect things had to line up for some dumbass orb to show up. Yeah. And you have the other option. It's fucking haunted railroads. It okay? is a haunted railroad. Go with that. It's fun. I agree with you. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So that's what the totally separate ghost is. It's like. Okay, this orb, this yellow grapefruit-sized orb, could be a result of the bright spot, which is associated with the poltergeist, or maybe it's a totally separate ghost, which is the husband and his lantern looking for his pieces of his wife. Either way, it's a ghost. Yep. It's a ghoul. And also, I quoted specifically that that tale of like the woman running onto the tracks and getting dragged is from savannaterrors.com, because I didn't read that tale anywhere else. I only read it on Savannah That's where they're theorizing that this is a different ghost. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks, Savannah Terrors. Yeah. So, regardless of what you believe, what you've witnessed, the explanations you have, it's obvious that Cernsey is a very interesting place with tons of spooky history or lore, depending on your opinions. But it's a small railroad town in the south of Georgia with a history of interesting people. There's this anomalous formation miles underground. There's hauntings, bright spots, ghost lights, poltergeists. It's all fascinating. And it's a cool ass town that I can get behind. You potentially have the paranormal version of Stranger Things mm. right here packed into a story for you. It's like Stranger Things of the South. Well, my word, it quite is. Because Stranger Things, typically, I believe, is in Indiana. Let's go a little light on the history for this one. I didn't, though. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll end it with a quote from Monty. God okay. bless that man. Cernsey is the scene of the strangest and most unaccountable phenomenon that ever puzzled the skeptics or frightened the credulous. Well said, Gummery. No! <laughs> the look of determination you have doing that. You I got a 10,000 yard stare and your mouth just... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm that is the uh, Cernsey family poltergeist. But more than that, I guess, it's kind of the Cernsey hauntings. <laughs> Should I rethink the name of this episode? <laughs> I don't know. I called it the Cernsey family poltergeist, but maybe it's more than that. I think it is more than that. Oh, shit. Okay. The hauntings of Cernsey. Okay. I got to workshop this. The hauntings this. of Cernsey sounds 
sick though. Okay, because I already made the cover and sent it to you, but I think I'll have to make a different one and name this something different. Oh yeah. Because it is more than, because that's where, it, see, that's how it started in my research was like, okay, there's this family that had a poltergeist and then it just fucking. It happens every time. It kept going. And um, so, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to shop the name of that. Mm-hmm. But hopefully you enjoyed it. I loved it. I didn't even really know where it was going until like an hour before we were recording when I, I really finally finished how, writing. I really liked how it started like from like where I could see where you started. And I like how it branched out like that. And it became this like whole larger picture thing. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. So that's what I mean when I was saying like it's kind of written differently than I usually would. And or if you ask the like really boring people, it was all just swamp cast. Wow, what a waste of fucking eight pages of writing because it was obviously just swamp cast. You fucking idiot. If you guys think it's swamp cast, uh, don't write to me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't fucking care about your opinion. <laughs> you can email spoils for. <laughs> Direct it to Leo, please. <laughs> to Leo. It was swamp gas. They get these emails and they're like, what the fuck is going on? Who keeps telling us it was just swamp gas? They're like, are they say, is there are they saying I'm swamp gas? Yeah, please go to their <laughs> go to their uh webpage, whatever, their Instagram, Instagram and uh just let them know it was swamp gas. <laughs> Oh my god, that would be so funny. Yeah. Oh lord. It's out of love. So you did it out of it was swamp gas. Love <laughs> listeners of dark adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, we're so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um okay, that I mean, you could follow Spoils of Horror on Instagram and message them and comment on all their posts about swamp gas yeah and you can also you follow should. us on instagram you should do both that you those things. follow both those things you know spoils of horror it's easy ours is dark adaptation podcast that's easy mm-hmm. uh you, you can see photos related to the case i don't really know how much photos i'll have i gotta find some more photos since i obviously have to workshop a lot of things when it comes to this episode <laughs> um we got photos related to elmas yep the articles that updates there, the photo of the dumbass that they just arrested. Do me a favor, do not comment on those. No. That- <laughs> no. God, use your fucking senses, okay, people? <laughs> Don't go to post about Al Naz and say it was swamp gas. Because I will fucking ban you. <laughs> Fuck. Would be trolls that do that. Yeah. Uh, you can also check out our website. You know, we got one, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. There will be sources there. If you really enjoy what we're doing here, you can buy us a coffee. Susie, mm-hmm. uh, I like coffee. I, we need coffee. Oh, God, Dyson I likes coffee. need coffee. And yeah, we also got a patch. We yeah. still have an embroidered iron on patch. It's only $14. There is no tax. There is free shipping. Mm-hmm. It's flat and rate. And that's it. $14 Canadian. 14 Canadian. And I'll send it to you. I'll give you a little nice written note. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so yeah. Slap it on your purse. Yeah. Slap it on your bag. A jacket. A blanket. Uh, on a. On your car seat. A car seat. Um, you can put it on your cat if you want to. Put it on your cat. Yeah. Literally anything. You can just slap it on your mom. Slap it on your mom. Slap it on your dad. 
slap it on your dad. You can slap it on this episode if you want. Slap it on this episode. Episode 55 next week. We will see you for episode 56. What is it going to be? Don't know. I know it's going to be the first episode of March. That's something. Mm -hmm. So we'll see you next week. The first episode of March. Episode 56. It's a surprise. Okay. Goodbye. We'll catch you on the dark side. Bye.